0: Hello and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Camuso-Miller. I'm a public affairs professional in Washington, D.C., and I interview members of the media about their background, about how they got into journalism, and lots of other topics. The Friday Reporter is a PR Daily Podcast. Check out PR Daily for ideas, inspiration, and trends on all things public affairs, and to find the Friday Reporter Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. This week is is one of a few uh, conversations I'm going to have with some great reporters from the great state of New Jersey. You can fight me if you believe otherwise. But I think that uh, having uh, my original first ever reporter I ever pitched on, Herb Jackson, has resulted in a series of a couple of reporters that are coming up here in, over the course of the next couple of weeks. Today, I have Jonathan Salant with me from the New Jersey Advanced Media, who is uh, covering a lot of terrific things here inside of Washington and translating it for the folks back home. Jonathan, it's great to have you today.
1: Well, glad to be here.
0: So Jonathan, a big part of uh, of the conversation I like to have is how folks sort of make their their way here to Washington, D.C. You and I took a similar path coming from the Northeast and landing down here. But tell me a little bit about how a guy from New York ends up covering New Jersey here in Washington, D.C.
1: Well, I came to Washington in 1987 after six years in the state capital of Albany. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And our newspaper decided to have a Washington bureau, and I helped set up the bureau and then one guy got it first. I was still in Albany. And then uh, when he left, he moved on to the national staff of Newhouse News Service. Mm-hmm. I got the, the Syracuse job and came down to D.C. to cover uh, New York out of Washington. Right. And we actually worked with some of the same people, reported, uh, covered some of the same people who I knew as state lawmakers in Albany, who now became congresspeople in Washington. Yes. And so I had, I, I had those folks. And then, of course, at that time, Mario Cuomo, who I know very well, mm-hmm. was talking about running for president. So the joke was I came down here to be the advance man for the Cuomo for president campaign. <laughs> of course, he didn't run, yeah, but for several years, I had was at a front row seat, and the people his people in Washington were all you know talking about it and making the contacts for me in case he wanted to run, and I had a front row seat because I was here when they were here,
0: right. That's so great too. What a great time to be in Washington!
1: It was a lot of fun, and then I wound up. In fact, I wound up spending some time at Congressional Quarterly, Mm -hmm. worked for the Associated Press, and worked for Bloomberg News. Awesome. And Bloomberg laid off all these people over fifty, and at the same time, they were laying off their senior reporters and their award-winning reporters. Frankly,
2: that's I wound
1: up getting a, a, a. the uh, Star Ledger reopened its Washington bureau. They had Washington bureau through two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. part of Newhouse News Service, where I was working for, as a Syracuse reporter. So it's so they decided the Stull Ledger would have its own reporter now for the first time. They used to have three reporters actually covering New Jersey for Newhouse. No kidding. Uh, and uh, two from the Star Ledger, and a third person named Bill Kerr, who after nine eleven, uh. Went into the uh, army and lost his life for our country.
0: Oh no! Okay, uh,
1: was died, was killed uh, while he was in the armed services. Wow. and they decided in 2014 now to reopen their Washington bureau. And uh, I got I was I got the job they wanted somebody with Washington experience. At that point, had close to 30 years. That's awesome. in Washington. So I knew my way
0: around. Yeah. But you also understand the state a little bit. Even if, uh, even if we don't have a, a news market there, you know that at least one of them is New York. <laughs> so it's good to understand that, that dynamic for sure.
1: Well, when you come down to Washington, you work for a, a, a news outlet, a regional news outlet in Washington. You either know the players or you know how Washington works and you learn the other group. Yep. So I knew how Washington worked, I didn't have to worry about. I knew the difference between you know, reconciliation and unanimous consent
2: mm-hmm. and the
1: committee structure and, <laughs> and everything else and continuing resolutions. Uh, and I had to learn who the players in, in New Jersey were, which you get by meeting them and talking to them. Right. And it turns out, uh, for example, the New, the New Jersey national committee man
2: mm-hmm.
1: was Mario Cuomo's advanced person when he was governor and I was in Albany. Wow. So you know some of the same people. That's right, because they they come around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. And, then, and this is a town full. This is a town full of relationships. No doubt about it.
1: Yeah, and when I worked for uh, Congressional Quarterly, I was on the political staff, and one of the states I covered was New Jersey. I got to cover a couple of congressional races, and one of them involved the guy who ousted a Republican incumbent. That person's name was Bill Pascrell. Mm-hmm. So I covered Bill Pascrell's first race for Congress. Yeah. This is nineteen ninety six, so ten mm-hmm. years later, or twenty uh twenty years later almost,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I have known the guy for twenty years. Yeah. And now I'm I'm covering him, but I already knew him. The thing was Pascal, I mean, he's in his eighties and he's like super feisty. I'm hoping that when I'm in my eighties, I'm that feisty.
0: No doubt. No doubt about it. That's exactly right. I mean he is right, and he is uh I mean he takes people on, he calls no punches. It's really it's great. I mean, in a time when when you need that kind of um backbone in, in this environment. I mean, it's great to see a guy like, like Congressman Pascal, uh, continue to be like that. So, but tell me, so there is such a, um, the personalities that you cover in the, in the New Jersey delegation, really it's It's an interesting dynamic, the way the New Jersey delegation sort of interacts with the Congress. And how do you translate for folks uh, back in New Jersey? How do you translate for them? How what's happening in DC affects what's happening back in the state?
1: Well, there, there are a couple of things again, having been in Washington so long, I knew the people who knew those folks Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, you know, I was covering the New York congressional delegation. Uh, so, I got to know not just the people from Central New York, but I got to know people like Nita Lowy yeah. who later becomes the ranking Democrat on the Appropriations Committee. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Rodney Frelinghuysen becomes chairman of Appropriations. Yeah. So, I know, I know the people who know him who can help me and and navigate through that. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cole, who I knew when he was the Executive Director of the National Republican Congressional Committee.
2: Mm-hmm. and was a
1: senior Republican on appropriations. So I could talk to him about Rodney feeling high. You know, he can, or he could say, hey, you know, Rodney's working on this project. You might be interested in it. And as long as somebody tells you what's going on, people will talk to you.
2: Yeah, you know, no question. Sometimes they
1: don't volunteer the information. But if you know the information, people will talk to you. So the people I know could tell me things affecting Jersey, and I can then go to the Jersey people; they don't want to tell me about, it. and then they'd answer the question.
0: <laughs> leverage, and leverage,
1: some it, and some of it is—you know, there are there are a lot of interest groups in town. Some of them are very good, and some of them do breakdowns by state. Center on Budget and Policy Priorities comes to mind. It's a progressive group. Do uh, they have a, ever really uh, questioned their numbers? Mm-hmm. And they do state-by-state breakdowns on what this bill means to Jersey. Yeah. And I, I can write those stories. And there's Dozens of us in Washington who cover it from a hometown perspective, and these groups know that if they give us these state-by-state numbers, even the federal government does that sometimes. The Biden administration's been really good during the whole fight over the stimulus bill and now the, the Build Back Better program to break it down. Yes. How much is each state's getting? And Menendez and Booker have been really good at that. Also, I got the number, The twelve point three billion in that one point that one trillion infrastructure bill from Nunez and Booker. I got you know twelve point three billion dollars heading to Jersey from them. I'm so, so glad you story. said that.
0: Yeah, that's such an uh, important point. And that,
1: and that point. works. And and even the the White House knows. It worked their way for. I've been I've been here since uh, the first since Reagan.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: the White House knows that if they can localize a story for you. You can they get a good hit? Yes. Uh, the White House tipping me off that the Biden proposal on infrastructure included money for Gateway.
0: Mm-hmm. That the
1: lawmakers learned about it because they woke up in the eight o'clock in the morning. That was my story on NJ. Awesome. And of course, for Biden, it's it's you know they get they get a nice uh, a, a nice play on it. Uh, when I was in Albany, Tim Russett, the the, the great uh, former. Uh, Anchor of Meet the Press and was mm-hmm. the counselor to Mario Cuomo. And Cuomo would release his budget on a Monday. And Friday, embargoed for Sunday with the biggest paper Tim Russell would have all of us in Albany come into his office one at a time and tell us what was in the budget for the towns we covered. Interesting. So all of us in Albany had exclusives this Sunday, the biggest paper mm-hmm. before the president, before the governor had his budget out, where people could now react to it saying, Governor Mario Cuomo on Monday will have a budget that includes X for Syracuse,
2: mm-hmm. according
1: to sources, or according to the governor's office said, speaking on condition of anonymity in advance of the budget.
2: Yeah. And
1: here like, I got page one on like every paper in the state, 48 hours to 24 hours before the governor proposed the budget. That, that's really imp- you know, good publicity for them, but also really important information for our readers, which is who are there to serve. Yes. They want to know. That's not, that. That's fine. What's important is we're giving our readers the information they need and the knowledge they need to be able to be informed consumers and, yeah. and informed about the workings of government.
0: And I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a point that I think sometimes gets lost here in Washington when you're a public relations person. If you don't carve out that specific data and make it really relevant to reporters like yourself who are reporting to an audience that's not inside the beltway if you don't carve that out and make that interesting a guy like you can't it's not it's not useful it can be you know it can be maybe a data point in a larger story but if you really want to make your story relevant and important you're gonna have to carve it out in a way that has that specific information for a reporter like yourself so that you can turn it around and turn it into a great local story that people can react to and get involved with and you know and members or clients or whoever it is president of the united states can then turn and say that's the kind of impact i'm trying to make for you in your local region
1: well, when you're in Washington, I'll go back to the PR in a second. It goes back to the White House. It's news for us mm-hmm. if a person from Jersey is at the White House.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, and in, in, Trump, President Trump uh, used to have Build an America. And he'd have companies, all, companies from all 50 states. And they would take you around mm-hmm. and introduce you to the person from Jersey. And I would do an interview with the person from Jersey. That's smart. Uh, one was Campbell Soup.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he said, what are you doing? Well, I'm here because I love the Made in America, and I think the president is proposing these proposals that will help my business.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: Campbell Soup is a big employer in Jersey. That's news for us. Yeah. Uh, the, the Teacher of the Year used to be, uh, uh, they didn't do it publicly under President Trump, under President Obama, there was Teacher of the Year. They brought all the 50 finalists. And after that, you got to interview the person from Jersey. Yeah. And the person from the reporter from the Times Union got to interview the person from Albany. Yeah. And you got to interview. And that's a story, too. This person is here. This person won this award. This is why this is, this is here. Uh, in one of the pictures, the, the Jersey person turned out to be on the podium right next to President Obama. So it's a great picture. But we could take, you know, teacher such and such right next to President Obama. What was it like? Did he talk to you? Oh, yeah, he said this. What did you talk about?
2: Mm-hmm. And those
1: those are stories that work out really well, and people care, and we're telling, you know, the, the folks back in Jersey what's happening in the, in Washington that affects them.
0: That's right. No, and it's good, and and I think that speaks too to like the changes that have happened over the course of your career and my career, in news coverage in general, in that there you know, there are fewer and fewer newsrooms, there are fewer and fewer papers, there are fewer and fewer outlets, but lots of online places where folks can get information so that the whole the whole construct of how you get your information has changed so dramatically. But it's good that that they've got you here to make those translations for for folks back home. But you've also been really involved. You were president of the National Press Club. You're outspoken about ethics and journalism. I mean, tell me a little bit about how your voice, because you have been in the Beltway, inside the Beltway for some time, how has your leadership sort of um, evolved and changed as the as the the news outlets have changed?
1: Well, it depends. If you're writing, if you're working for Congressional Quarterly, Congressional Quarterly, I used to joke when it had, had a weekly magazine, is in circulation of 8,000 people. It was the 8,000 most influential people in the country. Because every congressional office got it,
2: mm-hmm. and the libraries
1: got it, and the lobbyists got it, because they needed to know what was going on right. on a granular basis in Washington. You see that more and more. There are more Washington reporters than ever before, but a lot of them are working for specialized newsletters, mm-hmm. because you need, you know, you, information is, is currency. Yeah. And if you are a business, you need to know, that they're thinking that Congress is thinking of making this change in the law that affects your business. And you need to know it first. Mm-hmm. So you can call your lobbyists or just call the lawmaker yourself and say, Hey, I need your help on this. Once it's passed, it's too late.
2: Yeah,
1: And that's a huge industry of newsletters and even political and CQ's always there, but political and Bloomberg have divisions now that really follow the nitty gritty of legislation and and regulation in Washington for that clientele. Mm -hmm. My clientele, when I was working for the Associated Press in Bloomberg, I was writing for a national audience.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, It's, uh, you know, the uh, Obama's press secretary, Biden's press secretary, Jen Psaki, still remembers when I was covering the Obama campaign in 2008 as the Money in Politics reporter. And all the the number crunching I did and asking him to respond to it. And Obama was the first president since Watergate, who did not take public funds. He could raise more money privately, and it killed the, the, the public campaign finances and for
2: presidents. He
1: mm-hmm. was the first one. and I wrote that story time awesome. and time again, reminding people that was, that was going on.
2: Mm-hmm. But you'd
1: have, you, know, you got this money from this, and you got money from here. Why did you do it? Who are these, what, are you, what are you promising? Or you know, why, why do you think they gave you? Those are the questions. She still reminds me that I gave her I used to, you know, give her those questions when she was working for the president the Obama in 2008.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and now, you know, now, I'm, but when I'm now in, at the White House, mm-hmm. I'm asking questions about uh, a Jersey angle. I asked the question at the White House press briefing, right? Everybody's asking about the national numbers and she calls on me and I say, Up, you know, in 2020, Governor Murphy raised all this money for the campaign mm-hmm. uh, and endorsed you and spoke at a fundraiser for you. Uh, he's running for re-election in 2021. Are you going to do the same? And sure enough, yes, we want to see Murphy win and we're prepared to help him win re-election. That's a big story for us.
2: Mm-hmm. Nobody,
1: else is the, nobody else is asking that question. CBS News doesn't care. No. Right? Political no. doesn't care. I
0: care. Yeah. And my readers care. <laughs> they sure do. They sure I do. I do
1: to ask that question that other people are not going to ask that question.
0: Mm-hmm. That's not their beat. That's right.
1: And it's funny some of the stuff you, you ask, uh, because that's, that's your job here. We have Every so we will sit down with an with a administration official, and those are the questions we're asking. What does this mean to you know, the reporter from the Cleveland thing dealer? What does this mean to Cleveland? And the reporter from Arizona, you know, what about this policy that affects us? Mm-hmm. We, we had a chance to ask questions of top leaders, that otherwise don't get asked. And I didn't answer the full question on ethics.
2: Yeah. And
1: I think that there's a, a if, I, if I have one, one bias, it's that we need to be ethical. We need to obey the law. We need to do things that don't cast aspersions
2: mm-hmm. on,
1: uh, on, on who you are. A, a public official is supposed to serve the public.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: our job is to tell the public what its public officials are doing. Uh, that's the most important. We're the eyes and ears of the public. Cause they, you know, there are 9 million people in Jersey, and they're not in Washington. That's right. I am.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm happy to tell what their publicists are doing and not in Jersey. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to do that, i got to be just as ethical. Yes. Because I don't want people coming back and, and, and accusing me of hypocrisy. Right. And sometimes it's right. If mm-hmm. you do. So I call myself to those same standards.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you go to the, the national conventions and their lobbying groups have all these dinners and lunches for the delegates, some of whom are members of the state uh, or the federal, you know, legislative or, or the federal congressional committees that oversee those industries. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to eat the same food, then why isn't it hypocritical for me to write that they're doing it? Because I'm writing about these people right. and I'm writing about the industries.
2: Right.
1: Uh, and so I, don't, so I don't eat I stuff. And I go out later and get something to eat. And so some of the stories I like the best are the ones where you actually hold people accountable. That's why there's the First Amendment. First Amendment is to let us hold the public officials accountable to the public. And we have access that nobody else has so we can fulfill the the mandate of the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. So when I can do that, I like those stories. Those are the stories I like the best.
0: That's, yeah, exactly.
1: My first job. The Bergen Record, 1976. Mm -hmm. There was a historic revolutionary war era home, the Campbell Christie House in New Milford. Mm -hmm. And they were going to rip it down to build a Wawa. Oh, no. And a state, uh, a member of the Bergen County Board of Chosen Freeholders, Bennett Mazer, reads my story and says, we can't let this happen. And he gets money for the county to move the house. Oh, to a location wow. in Hackensack, I forget the name of the park. It's still there,
0: okay. And, but he
1: doesn't know that it's happened until he reads my story and takes action.
0: Oh, and the wow.
1: house is still there.
0: That's awesome. But that's uh, is that why time
1: for one more story? Time for one more story
0: like I, that? I do have time. I just want to say that, like, isn't that why you get into journalism? Is because you hope you can affect change? That's fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I have time for another story for sure.
1: Uh, after my. My uncle passes away at the beginning of the COVID. Uh, about against, so he didn't die of COVID, but mm. he, he was sick. He passes away, and we go to the funeral. And our family plot is in Jersey, in Dean, New Jersey.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, my grandfather bought the plot, you know, a years ago. <laughs> and so I suggest we write a story on what's it like to have a pandemic, you know, a funeral in a, the era of a pandemic. Oh yeah. When he died, and we had the funeral. It's now going to be that we're in the middle, everything's shut down. Mm-hmm. And it's outside, so you can have social distance, a handful of people. Yeah. And the plot's in Jersey. My, I have a couple of cousins, including my, and my sister, who live in Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I have this great Jersey, I have all this Jersey angle. But mm-hmm. I'm the Jersey reporter. That's right. Well, two weeks later, my aunt, his sister, co- is found in her apartment with COVID. Oh, no. And they call her next. They call her emergency contact, my uncle, who we just buried. He's not answering the phone. Oh my! So the emergency room physician does a Google search and comes up with my name. Comes up with the story because it's the only thing on Google that mentions her name, his name, and her name and his name. First thing, she calls me.
2: Oh wow! And says are
1: you, a relative. Yes, I'm a relative. Your aunt is in critical condition on a ventilator. I don't know if she's gonna make it. Oh my gosh. And I said, okay, I'm not the person in charge. Here's the people to call. My right. sister who's a veterinarian therefore has medical training. Mm-hmm. A couple of cousins who are in the Bronx where my aunt was and very close to them. Yeah. And today she's home and, and happy oh. and not fully recovered. Eighty you know, she's in her late eighties yeah. and they don't recover as quickly. But I don't know that she survives if the doctor doesn't take the initiative to call me. I put her in touch with the people who can make the medical decisions. What a great
0: for. story. Oh, that's well, God bless her. And, and I hope she has a full recovery, but what a great story. And what a, I mean, yeah, love that. I love that. And that's what you, that's what you have to hope for when you get into this business is that, that you can make an impact and you sure, you certainly have, and you yes. continue to, that's fantastic.
1: And I came of age during Watergate. Yes, and that's when you could see—you saw journalists bring down a president of the United States, and you realize the power of journalism.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And an
1: entire generation of us were influenced to go to journalism because of that.
0: Tell me a little bit about um, because you have been at this for a while. Like, what kinds of what advice? Do you have for people that do what I do PR like what what kinds of things are working what kinds of uh, what what words of wisdom can you impart on on a PR person well, today
1: this great invention called Google. Mm. And you could search Jonathan Salant and you get my bio page at nj.com you get my Facebook page both the my personal page which is open to the public and my journalist page and you would get my LinkedIn profile and they all tell you what I do for a living. Yeah. And I'm bombarded with all these 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 pitches
2: mm-hmm.
1: from about the the housewife in California who invented this new pocketbook, <laughs> or or the, the, this this city in Arizona that now has this new rule in,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: all this other stuff. Yeah. And I ignore it. Okay. Of course. And then they keep bothering me. Then they send me another email and another email, another email. And finally I write back I say, why would a reporter who covers politics and New Jersey congressional delegation for the new New Jersey outlet care about this person living in Colorado Springs? Yeah. And they never, I never hear from them again. Because
0: they're embarrassed. They realize that it's a lazy yeah. pitch. But just
1: mm-hmm. Do a quickly. Now I lots of stuff. one of my rules of life is I, you can't turn down a story you don't know about. Mm hmm. So I would rather have somebody send me 100 pitches and be not interested, than right. s- and we believe all of them, than not send me the one I want. So right. I don't mind getting the emails, but have an idea right. that it might be something that would be relevant. I got a pitch today, and so it turned, it's about uh, an issue about voting rights.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they offered me a, uh, the, you know, guys in town later this week, which I can't go, I couldn't go to. I uh, so this will be airing over the weekend too. Last week, and uh, I we say, can't go to because the Jewish holidays. And he says, oh, sorry, we can set something up. I said, sure, but New Jersey expanded voting rights
2: for mm-hmm. the first
1: time. The Democratic governing, Democratic legislature, It's now early voting for the first time. They kept the expanded absentee balloting. So now it's not a story for me, but it's a legitimate question. Right. And I'm glad to get the pitch.
2: That's right. And
1: maybe that person I can use for a story sometime else in the future. Right. Uh, you know, we have a gubernatorial election this year. What if uh, somebody gets elected who wants to roll back that stuff? Oh it's a good story and I have an expert on it.
2: Mm-hmm. So that
1: makes sense. but I have an idea of what my beat is. That's right. What I'd be interested in doing.
0: The and difficulty too, Jonathan, is that so many um, PR, teams use these um, automated systems where they'll generate a a list of reporters, right? And I think that those lists a lot of times aren't totally accurate. So I'll go through, I mean, I've been at this longer than a lot of the other kids, but, um, but, you know, I'll go through and I'll say, you know, why is this guy, he don't take him off the list, take him off the list, take him off the list. But sometimes in the interest of time, these younger folks are sort of sending these broad pitches out to these names that are trolled and brought together by these automated systems and they don't work they just don't work um and you got to make sure that you spend the time and be smart because also that's the other thing like if you get a terrible pitch from somebody that's not relevant to you if that person comes back to you a couple weeks later with another lousy pitch you may just block the email and say enough you know I, i can't i got too much stuff coming in the door i cannot and that's a lost opportunity because at some point they may have a story that is helpful to you
1: yes or they or also that person and i've done that so like you ask me for the advice of somebody to come on the, on the, uh, on the podcast. Somebody will, will call me, and I say, no, you know, really, that's something I would do. Well, who, who might do it? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been in D.C. for 30 years. I know all these other people. That's you might right. want to call such and such. Yeah. Or maybe this paper, this paper is covering it. Or, you know, because uh, Herb Jackson suggested me, roll call because they do the nitty-gritty. And even though my guy's the chairman, I'm not really covering that issue. But roll call or congressional quarterly or political, they really cover this stuff. And here's the congressional reporter who I met because we're both Interviewed the congressman at one point, congresswoman at one point Mm -hmm. on something else because they're covering that committee,
0: Mm -hmm. or sitting in the same committee room, or or sitting in the house gallery, or that's the other thing is that it's it's like a little town within itself, and so you do you meet these people, you see them at the coffee shop, you see them in the building at these meetings, these press conferences, Um, and that's you know we sort of started off with that is that this is a town full of networks and friends that that really do end up working out. in the business side, but Jonathan, talk to me for a minute because you are a I know you're a baseball guy. You like to watch baseball. Tell me a little bit about what your plan is for the weekend.
1: Oh well, we're going to the Nats game sa- Saturday night. Nice. Because we were at the game when there was a shooting outside Nats Park.
2: Oh yeah. So there was
1: a, a drive-by shooting. A couple of cars were shooting at each other, and we heard the firecrackers. Were mm-hmm. they thought were firecrackers? They were turning out guns. So they up the suspended the game and they gave us all tickets to another game. Awesome. So I'm going to we're going Saturday night for, with, with the extra tickets, which is nice. It's funny during this thing, right? Uh, they don't tell us anything.
2: It's yeah. been really
1: easy just to say, there's been an incident outside, you know, it's not inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they knew instantly, please stay where you are. Don't worry about it. They didn't say anything. Yeah. So all these people are panicking and people are running around and they're getting up. I'm starting to tweet out the news.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: again. get into full journalist mode.
0: <laughs> Hard to change so, that. Yeah. So
1: CBS Sports picked up my tweet and Fox Sports picked up my tweet. It was a lot of fun.
0: That's great. This,
1: right, this is what's happening. I took pictures of the scoreboard when I finally made an announcement and mm. tweeted that out where we're going. And of course, last weekend, uh, the Mets were in town, the mm-hmm. five games. I went to four of five. Awesome. With my road jersey, of course, because it's a road game for my team. <laughs>
0: Uh, Jonathan, tell me, though, if I'm going to um, continue this podcast and keep talking to smart folks like yourself, who do you recommend might be a good future guest for the podcast for me?
1: Ah, good question. A lot of really good people. Uh, Since we're on the Jersey beat, uh, my first choice would be Jonathan Tamari, who's the national political reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, which gets into part of Jersey. We overlap nice. uh, in the, in the, the mm-hmm. Philadelphia suburbs that are across the Delaware River.
0: Mm-hmm. Jonathan Salant, thank you so much for being with me today. It's such a treat to have you.
1: Well, glad to be in. Thanks for thinking of me.
0: You bet. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Hi, my name is Joe Grogan. And I'm Eric Ulan for DCEKG. DCEKG is all about the how and why of Washington DC, what's going on, what's going on behind the headlines. We spend a lot of time talking about healthcare and economic policy, but frequently delve into trade policy and sometimes national security or whatever's happening on Capitol Hill. Between Joe and I, we have nearly five decades of Washington experience. We put that to work with our guests to explain to you what's going on in Washington. I always found myself calling Eric when I didn't understand what was happening, and I always found him to be really good at explaining to me some of the things that I wasn't seeing, and I hope our guests will get the same type of insights. I always found myself talking to Joe when I couldn't believe what I was seeing happening to understand exactly how the heck we got to where we were. Tune in to EKG anywhere podcasts or YouTubes are available. You won't regret it.